God is here to listen to you, to your problems, and try and help you get through them. Friends come and go, but like family, God will always be present in your life. Those are Ava DeChassis' words, part of the statement of faith that she wrote in preparation for today. Each student being confirmed is asked to express in some way what faith means to her at this point in time. And Ava wrote beautifully about God's trustworthy and abiding presence. God helps me in everything I do, she goes on. God walks beside me, guides me through every moment of the day. All things I am, can do, and will be. God helped me get there. Christopher Fieldson uses a number of intriguing metaphors in describing who God is for him. God is a mentor, imparting wisdom and guidance. God is a compass, pointing the way. And he goes on to say that living as a Christian today is finally about loving God and loving others. We're called to love our neighbors as ourselves, he says, demonstrating kindness, compassion, and respect for all people. This includes caring for minorities, the oppressed, and the vulnerable. It means pushing for justice in everyday life. Paul's Kupchus' statement of faith is the image that's on the cover of your bulletin today. It is not a dove for Pentecost Sunday, but I think if you see that there, that's also okay. It is, in fact, an owl, a creature that points to Paul's particular understanding of faith, which you can read about later at the back of the bulletin. He notes there that owls, like all of us, have a limited field of vision. And faith, Paul says, is like that. An owl only sees what's in front of it, just like we do. However, God is more than what we see. That's an important idea to keep close on Confirmation Sunday. These three young people have devoted significant time and energy to studying the Bible and key topics in Christian faith over the last two years. They have been meeting with their mentors and with one another. They've been reading and discussing and writing and praying. We call it a class, and it is. And that could very well lead you to think that the point of confirmation is sort of mastering it all, learning the information, getting the answers right, passing the test. Of course, I do hope the students have learned all sorts of important and precious things about the articles of the Apostles' Creed and the words of the prophets and the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. But faith is not finally about a bunch of correct answers, and neither is confirmation. It is not about saying you have seen all there is to see and now you fully and completely understand it. No, far from it, in fact. If anything, diving deeply into faith tells us just how much we don't know, how much we don't yet understand. Christian life is this great journey where there is always more of God to learn about, always more to discover. Confirmation is taking a step in that journey saying yes to this adventure where God is always more than what we see. It's a good reminder on Confirmation Sunday, and it's just as appropriate for Pentecost. I mean, whenever we talk about God, we are talking about something we can't fully master or fully understand. And that is certainly true when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Here we're talking about the abiding presence of God blowing through the world, wild and free, enabling us to carry on Jesus' ministry in our own lives. The Holy Spirit is then a topic to approach with a good dose of humility, but the Bible does give us lots of helpful ways to think and speak about it, including in those readings we've heard today. 
The Spirit fills us with life like a breath of fresh air. The Spirit accompanies us like a friend or advocate. The Spirit sends us out like wind gusting us down the street. The Spirit surprises us like an unexpected visitor. The Spirit empowers us like a loved one drawing out the best of who we are. And in our reading from 1 Corinthians today, Paul says the Spirit comes with varieties of gifts. When the Spirit shows up in our lives, it does not show up in the same way in each person. Not at all, in fact. Now, I know that is a familiar text for lots of you, but I would like us to sit just for a moment with what a remarkable idea this is. Paul could have said that the Spirit looks like one thing. He could have said the Spirit looks like healing. And if you don't have that gift, you don't have the Spirit. Or the Spirit looks like teaching. And if that's not your thing, well, too bad, looks like the Spirit passed you by. Paul could have given some very narrow and precise definition, which incidentally lots of Christians after him have done over the years, but he didn't do that. He said the Spirit shows up in an astounding variety of ways, animating diverse gifts in all of God's people. Paul gives a few examples here. Wisdom, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, the discernment of spirits. I imagine he could have added the gift of welcoming others, or writing songs, or listening well, or making people laugh, or offering encouragement. The list could go on and on because, according to Paul, that is what the Spirit is like. It doesn't show up in just one way, but in this astounding diversity of expressions and abilities. That's sort of the first remarkable claim that Paul makes here. And the second, which is every bit as radical, every bit as amazing, is that each of these gifts, each of these ways the Spirit shows up is equally important, equally valid. No one gift is more valuable than another. It seems that the folks in Corinth had a particularly difficult time with this second part of the equation. The people with the flashiest sorts of gifts there, the loudest, the most outwardly impressive, were seen as more important, more gifted. This is understandable, I guess. The Corinthians were part of a culture that was steeped in hierarchies with greater honor given to some, the rich, the privileged, the educated, and less honor given to others, the poor, the outcast, those with a lower social standing. We can imagine why they were treating the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the same way, as a cause for just another pecking order. But Paul will have none of that. The Spirit shows up uniquely in each person, Paul says, and each person's gift is equally important. Each is a crucial part of the whole. Each is necessary. And when we see one another that way, Paul says, it leads to a totally different sort of community. I read a reflection this past week from uh, a woman named Zina Hitz. She's a professor of philosophy who spent some years living in a monastic community. And she writes about what this experience was like for her, committing to this particular group of people. In the monastery, she says, there were strict rules about lots of things, as you might imagine including about gossip. Being part of the community meant deliberately refraining from talking about other people's business. 
And in trying to adopt this practice, she said, she quickly recognized something very powerful. The shortest path to a human connection, she writes, is to draw someone aside and to distinguish the two of us as superior to others. It's one of those things that we probably don't name very often, but I'm guessing we all know exactly what she is talking about. We all long for a sense of connection with other people, and there is a sort that immediately emerges when we single someone else out as inferior to us. I can feel instantly closer to you if we are talking about Harold, who clearly believes the wrong things and acts in the wrong ways and doesn't even dress very well. Not like you and I who have our act together. It's not a deep connection or a very durable one, but that doesn't stop us from making this kind again and again because it is just so easy. We don't name it very often, but it's true, isn't it? I'm guessing we all know something about this way of relating to others. I'm afraid it is sort of human connection 101. Hitz goes on to say that she was forced to learn something else in the monastery. If we avoid gossip and backbiting, especially guided by a communal commitment to do so, she says, we're cut off from this costly shortcut. One can only travel the long way into the heart of another. The slow work of finding common ground, the careful discernment of grounds for admiration, the disciplines of kindness, encouragement, silence, and restraint. We can only travel the long way to the heart of another. I don't know about you, but I love that. Real connection does not come through creating hierarchies and talking about others we see as somehow beneath us. It comes through spending time together, listening to one another, appreciating one another's unique qualities and experiences, saying, what do you think about this? Or tell me your story. Or what moves you? What brings you hope? What brings you joy? The Spirit builds up that sort of community because there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. Everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When we believe that, when we believe the Spirit is really at work in each person we meet, they're to be met and honored and celebrated, then we have no need to build up ladders and hierarchies and scapegoats. We can take our time and travel the slow way of connection, appreciating the beautifully diverse work of the Spirit in one another. In a few moments, we are each going to be given a small piece of colored glass. These have been made by members of our community along with those crosses that were given to the confirmands. Each one of these is beautiful. They're in many different colors, and each one is unique. No two are exactly the same shape or texture. And I think they are a wonderful image of the way the Spirit works, gifting us in wonderfully diverse ways and drawing us together without distinction. That is the sort of community that the Spirit builds. That is what we are here to learn and to practice. And Eva, and Christopher and Pulse, we are glad that you are here to be part of it. 
We're glad for the unique ways the Spirit is at work in each of you. We're grateful for your gifts, your abilities. Our congregation is richer because of who you are, because of the particular ways you reflect who God is. So, on with the journey. Who knows what we will discover together. Thanks be to God. Amen.